Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. time to be alive. That's right. Wonder what would happen if we in the church got to the place that we quit complaining about how bad times are and embrace this truth. We are here for such a time as this. God could have had anybody here, but he chose you. And you can't ascribe to the idea that God is an all-knowing, all-powerful God and then think you were an accident. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 7. Good to see all of you here this morning, all of those that are joining us uh, live. We are, um, uh, through the efforts of, of Ira, we're branching out, we're trying today. We're not only broadcasting on Facebook, but also on YouTube and on our website. And we're going to see how that goes. I, I can imagine a day when Facebook will not allow messages like this to go forward anymore. And so we need to be ready. And uh, um, I, I have something on my heart. I just I'm, I'm compelled by God to share with you. He has been pouring this into me for a number of months now. And it's probably taken a number of months because it is something different that I've, than I've ever understood before. And I've never heard this truth before. And you know how it is when you... I'm just like the rest of you. Get something new out of the word that doesn't fit. It's like that piece of the puzzle, you know. I don't get invited to do just jigsaw puzzles. We, we used to do one around the holidays, but, you know, if it looks like it fits and it doesn't quite fit, well, I'm just there. Now, now I got it. It doesn't, doesn't look right, but it's in there, you know. But, you know, you can't do that with truth. And sometimes, sometimes that um, uh, as you grow in the Lord, sometimes truth that God wants to give you now has to be made room for. Amen? And I, I want to I encourage you this morning to, to pray. I, I know that I know that in, in your head, just like me, this, this is hard to quite grasp. But I know through the Spirit of God, he can show you. And he's compelled me to share this word with you. So I want to encourage you just to stay with it for a few minutes, okay? I, I promise you when we get done, it will kind of make sense. All right? I'm just going to stick with it. All right. Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to start by simply asking the question, what if? Just what if? Matthew chapter 7. 
beginning of verse number 7. And of course, here Jesus himself is talking, and he says this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Verse 12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to to them for this is the law and the prophets would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me father I'm, I'm, I'm burdened to share your heart and, and yet in spite of my, my years of experience doing this God I'm 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 I'm, 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 I'm daunted by the challenge. Holy Spirit, if you don't do your work this morning, we're going to waste the next few minutes of our lives. As always, I need you to do what you do so well, and I release you. I recognize you as the true preacher, the true teacher here today. I take authority over everything that would be distracting. I take authority over every contrary thought. And we declare your truth to be our truth. No weapon formed against us this day shall prosper. Your word will perform that which you sent it to do. Amen. What if? We've read these verses countless times. You hear it often repeated, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. And we, we envision this is God telling us that if you come and ask and seek and knock, then your prayers will be answered. That's essentially what we've been taught with this verse. Amen? And then he goes on to say that everyone, everyone who asks, receives. Not many, not most. Everyone who asks, receives. After all these years of ministry, I can tell you I know some good 
godly people who have asked things that I was sure was within the heart of God and they never got them. Can I just be real for a moment? I know personally that to the best of my knowledge, my prayer request aligned perfectly with the heart of God. And I asked and didn't receive an answer. I know people who love God, who have a passionate relationship with him, and they have asked God for years and years and years. And they didn't receive the answer from God. How many knows that the Bible says that God cannot lie? So if Jesus meant what he said and said what he meant, that everybody asks... Everyone who asks receives, then one or two things are going on. Either he's lied to us, or we really don't understand what the scripture's saying. Come on, folks. I, I, I learned a long time ago if it doesn't do me any good to try to fake it, I'm just going to be real. I'm just going to. You know, I, I, I don't know how else to be. I don't know how to preach it. I don't know how to share it. I have to let the Holy Spirit speak to me, and, if, and then I need to share that. There's a truth here. What, what if our understanding of this scripture isn't at all what we thought it meant? What if it really meant something different? What if it really meant what it said and not what we think it says. That everybody who asks, receives. Everybody who knocks, it's opened. Everybody who seeks, finds it. What if that's the truth? What if that is the absolute truth? That everyone that asks, everyone that seeks, everyone that knocks, they're not left sitting there holding their hand as if he couldn't drive the point home more succinctly. He says this, if you, in your fallen sinful state, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? And yet, not everybody I know. I'm going to guess the hardest question I've ever faced as a pastor is people said, Pastor, how come God didn't answer my prayer? Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verse... Just a moment, we'll be reading verse 34. I've got to tell you where this verse picks up so we don't have to read the whole story. The, the Sadducees had just had an engagement with Jesus with all of their false beliefs, and he just buried them. Okay? 
He just buried them. He just stripped away all of their de deception and he just nailed them. And the Pharisees, thinking they're smarter than the Sadducees, they step up. In fact, that's exactly what the Bible says. Verse 34, Matthew 22. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What's the greatest commandment? You've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. And then Jesus doesn't stop there. He says the second is like unto. Now you need to understand in his wording, we don't have a perfect translation for the word he used there. It wasn't a comparison word. It means it's fastened to. It's, it's, it's the, the flip side of the coin. Do you, you follow that? You can't have heads without having tails. And that's what Jesus is saying here, that the, the second commandment is fastened to the first. They're, they're irrevocably attached. They're connected. And I, I think that's important because, let's be honest, I, I know a lot of Christians, right? I know some Christians who have a passionate relationship with God. It's people they can't stand. You ever met one of those? Buddy, they know the word. They can cite chapter and verse. They've memorized verses. They can teach. They can preach. They can tell you all about it. But they're just nasty. I, they're just mad about everything. I was just sharing with somebody this week the funny story, and I won't share the whole story with you again, but there was a lady I'd prayed for, and she had gone to Rex Humbard and gotten prayer. She'd gone to Benny Hidden and gotten prayer. I'm not, I'm not holding myself up. I just, you just need to understand the background. She had sought out faith healers to pray for her to get a healing, and she never got it. And one Sunday night in the service, I prayed for her, and God delivered her from what had ailed her for 25 years. And you think that would have softened her heart? I mean, she hated me before I prayed for her. Told me that. Hated me before I prayed for her. I prayed for her. 25-year disease, gone. And the next Sunday morning, she gets up on my face after service. We had a good little church till you got here. <laughs> I mean, that fast, it was all gone. I told the person, you know, if I hated somebody so bad, but they prayed for me to get something I've sought for 25 years, at the very least, I'm going to shut my mouth from now on. <laughs> How about you? No. 
There are some people that, that, that think it's me and Jesus and me and God. And that's all I need is me and Jesus and me and God. And, and these, this group of people that Jesus is talking to there, they're like that. The Pharisees are like that. We're holier than the, you. We just, we just reek of righteousness. It just comes out in our sweat. And Jesus said there's a second law that's fastened to the first. You, you, can't, you can't separate between the two. You got to love your neighbor. That means everybody else. You can't move out into the country where you don't have any neighbors. It means everybody else besides you. I've known some Christians who love people. They will, they will, they will do ministry after ministry after ministry to help people. And I, I, I respect that. They will... They will have this outreach and that outreach and do this and do that. And they will clothe and feed. We went to pastor a church one time and they had an incredible outreach ministry. And they, they gave food away and at great cost. And many, many people came. It, it blew me away how many people showed up for free food. But after... Being a part of that for a couple of weeks, I asked the people that directed the outreach program, and I said, Has, and we, we ran about six or 700 people were fed from our, that giving every time we did that. And I said, and they've been doing it for, for years. I don't remember how long, I don't, I don't want to say, but I asked the people that ran it, I said, have anybody from the ministry ever gotten saved? No. Has any of them ever come to church? They couldn't think of anybody. And so I asked him a question. Help me to understand, how were we not doing anything but helping people on their way to hell go to hell with a full belly? There are some believers, if you will, who, who, who love other people and they... They, they, they are good at it, and thank God for that. But they have no real relationship with God. Their entire relationship with God is based on what they do. Look how good a Christian I am. I have this ministry. I meet this need in somebody. We give away this much clothes or this much food, or we help this many things, bad things not to happen. But it, there's no real, how I many know what I'm talking about? There's no this. There are entire denominations that everything religious they do is on this level. Jesus said you can't separate them. It takes both. It takes both of those. He, he, he ended this by saying that, that on these two commandments hang all of the law and all of the prophets. He's literally saying everything I ever told you hang on you obeying these two things. Love God and love your neighbor. Everything else 
hangs on that. But it says in there that we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Now listen for a moment. Stay with me. Better than that, stay with the Holy Spirit. Hopefully he's speaking to you. There were times I didn't love myself. Anybody else been there? If this verse means what we have always thought it meant, that my measure for loving other people should at least be equal to my love for myself, then when I hate myself, it's okay to hate other people. If that's what that verse means. If I only love myself a little bit, it's okay for me to love my neighbors a little bit. If that's what the verse means. How many how many's following so far? I promise you this will tie together. If you try to get it this way, it's not going to work. If you got it, it's been being spiritually given. It needs to be spiritually discerned. If what Jesus said in Matthew 7, everyone who asks receives, and we're not receiving, maybe we don't understand what the verse is saying. Listen, there's a great truth here that has just been rolling over my spirit. If Jesus himself said all of the law in everything the prophets ever said to mankind, hang on these two things, love God and love your neighbor like you love yourself, if I place into that scripture this idea that, that I'm supposed to love my neighbor to the degree I love myself, what about most of my life when I didn't love myself? You see what I'm saying? Am I exempt? Can I beat you up because I beat myself up with my words? How many are following what I'm saying? How many would have to admit that doesn't fit? How many would have to admit there were times in your life that you didn't love yourself? You didn't even like yourself. So it can't mean what we think it means. So we have two very profound scriptures that we read this morning that can't mean what we think they mean. So what do they mean? How, how do they tie together? We, we do notice that both of these things that Jesus talked about, he ended by tying them together with the law and the prophets. Matthew 25. It's a long reading, but we'll read it. Matthew 25, verse 31. Let the Spirit of God, through his word, speak to you this morning, church. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, 
then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord... When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I want to take your eyes back earlier in the verse when he said to the righteous, he calls them the blessed of my father. Remember that. He refers to them as the blessed of my father. Our text talked about being blessed of the father. See the connection? In this story that Jesus told here, listen, it's not a parable. This is not a parable.
he establishes two simple truths. Listen closely. You've got to understand this to tie it all together. He, he, he expresses two things, that what you and I do to somebody else, what we do to another affects somebody else. It so affects, and God is so tied to that, that he literally said, when you did it to them, you got to catch this. He didn't say it was like you were doing it to me. How many knows God's very precise? He says what he means and he means what he says. He didn't say when you did it to them, it was like you were doing it to me. He said when you did it to them, you did it to me. And they said, when, 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 wait, whoa, 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 whoa. When did, we, when did we see you hungry? Well, I don't remember that. I remember that guy hungry. I don't remember you hungry. I saw that lady in Wendy's. I, I don't remember seeing you. You set yourself up. I didn't do that to you. You know what God said? You got to get this. This is a river of truth you need to tap into. God said, you got to understand something. You didn't give that lady a salad at Wendy's today. You gave me a salad. He didn't say it was like. The language here is crystal clear. Whatever you did to them, he said you did it to me. He didn't say it was like you did it to me. He's not saying I appreciate what you did for them. He said what you did for them, you did for me. That's the first truth that he established in the story. The second truth, what you do for another affects your relationship with the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about here about salvation. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. What you do affects your interaction with the kingdom of God. Let's go back to our text. Verse 12 of our text. If you could put that up on the screen. Jesus said this. Therefore. I heard, heard it said years ago, and it's a great truth to go by. 
whenever the scripture says therefore or wherefore, you need to know what it's there for. Here's what I'm saying. In verse 12, Jesus said, therefore, which means because of that. Are you with me? So he's literally saying, because of that truth I just shared with you, because of the truth I just shared with you, in response to the truth I just shared with you, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Wait a minute, I thought this ask was all about getting something from you. He says it is. What if this seeking was all about getting something from you? Oh, it is. What if this knocking was all about getting something from you? Oh, it is. And I promise you, every time you ask, I'll give it to you. Every time you seek, I'll give it to you. Every time you knock, it'll be opened unto you. You think you know how to give give good gifts? I know how to give better gifts than you know how to give. And because that's true, he says, here's how you should conduct your life. Whatever you want somebody to do for you, do for somebody. Listen to me. What if? What if the answer to my prayer was an opportunity to do for somebody else what I want for somebody to do for me? You see, if you go back, you know, we've divided the scriptures up in chapters and verses so that we could I could tell you to go to chapter this and read to this verse but but it wasn't divided so you you need to know where where this this whole promise started listen just six sentences earlier I, I tried it out numerous times three breaths ago Jesus says this stick with me folks And the anointing of God is on me. Listen to me for a moment. Jesus started this by saying this. Judge not. Lest you be judged. And then he says that if you judge, you are going to be judged. And the measure you measure against somebody else will be measured against you. He didn't shift gears here when he gets to verse 7. He's finishing that thought. Don't judge 
or you're going to be judged. Whatever you measure against another human being is going to be measured against you. So ask. And you shall receive. Everyone who asks receives. Seek. And everyone who seeks finds. Knock. And everybody who knocks, the door's going to be opened. Just listen to me for a moment. What if the purpose of God wasn't to take our pain away? What if the purpose of God was to fix our heart? Come on. What if the purpose of our pain is to draw us to God that he might be able to fix our heart? David said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. And you know what God is saying here, I think? I think God is saying, if you really want your pain to go away, I will make your pain go away, but here's how I'm going to make it go away. I'm going to put you in the position of helping somebody who has your same pain. Because the real problem here isn't your pain. The real problem is your judging. And the real problem is you're measuring against somebody. And the reality is, if I measure that against you, how many times have anybody in this room, myself included, ever said, well, I would never do that. And then I've done that. Anybody here? Am I the only one? somebody that has hurt you and it's you know it's so easy to judge isn't it it's it's so easy to judge it's so easy to judge somebody especially somebody that's hurt me it's so easy to judge I've shared with you before, there was a person in my life that for years I prayed for them, and they were just as cold and hard a human being as I've ever met. And I, I eventually got tired of praying for them. I, I saw no change. I really, I really tried to keep my relationship with God real. And I, they were on my prayer list, so to speak, and I started to pray for them, and I just stopped. And I said, God... It is so hard to pray for them. They are so cold and they are so hard. In a moment, in a moment, he gave me fuel to pray for them for the rest of my life. This person had hurt people that I love. I'd almost wish they'd have done it to me, it'd have been easier. But they had hurt people that I love. 
And it had marred them and it, it had hurt them. And I was angry with the person that had hurt them, even though I was praying for them. And, and in that moment, God said it would be, you would be cold too if you never knew what it was like to be loved. And then it hit me. Of course they didn't love that person that you love. Because they don't know what love is. Are you getting this? And listen to me, listen to me. Them not loving this person that I love isn't justified. But in that moment, God was more concerned about the judgment in my heart. Are you all getting this? Then he was the pain that I had that somebody I loved was hurt deeply by them. And I'm thinking that if we plug that into this verse, then it all makes sense. If you're sitting here today or you're watching live and, and, and you're judging somebody that has hurt you, You're measuring them up, and in your own judgmental heart, you're saying, they don't measure up. They failed me. Jesus would say, careful. Because whatever judgment you bring on them, you're going to be bringing on yourself. Whatever measuring stick you measure against them, Listen, I, I grew up in a home with six kids. There were three of us that have given our heart to God and three of us that haven't. The three of us that have given our heart to God doesn't make us any better, but it, it frees us from some stuff. And growing up, I, 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 I remember the conversations. I'll never do that to my kids. I'll not be that kind of a parent. And guess what? That's where some of us ended up at. It seems like the ones that were hurt the most are the ones that turned out just like the one that hurt them. Are you getting this? So Jesus says, ask. Ask, ask what? We always just planted our own thoughts in there. You find yourself angry with somebody? You find yourself still hurt with somebody? As opposed to going the judgment route and the measuring route and playing the game over and over in your head about how that they let you down, how they should have done you differently. There's everybody in this building has at least one of those. Anybody? You have at least one of those people in your life? Jesus said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Ask. Ask what? Ask God to get that out of your heart. Follow, follow this now. Seek. What? Seek. 
because you know that when you ask him, he's going to answer. Seek, and you'll find it. Knock, and it'll be open to you. What does that mean in practical terms? You can bet God is going to bring somebody into your life that needs exactly what you wished somebody would have done for you. Isn't that what this verse just said? Let's read it. Therefore, because of verses 1 through 11, because of that truth I share with you, don't judge, don't measure, because if you do, then you're going to ask, you're going to seek, you're going to knock, and it's going to be open to you. Therefore, whatever you want men to do for you, do also to them. For this is the law and prophets. What if when he said, do unto others as you would have others do unto you? What if when he said, when you did do, treat your neighbor, love your neighbor as you love yourself because loving your neighbor is loving yourself? What if the cure comes by helping somebody else? What if the answer is not because for too long we pray for God to send somebody? Stick with me. We pray for God to send somebody to come fix my hurt. And God is saying, no, 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 that's not how it's going to work. I'm going to send you, because you have that hurt, I'm going to send you to help somebody else's hurt. Because listen. Because in helping their hurt, you're going to have to overcome some stuff. Amen? And in that overcoming, you're going to lose the judgment that got you in this mess in the first place. That's why Jesus could hang on the cross and say, Father, forgive them. I don't know what they're doing. Listen to me, this is a word right now for somebody. That one that hurt you didn't know what they were doing. You telling them isn't fixing it. Them apologizing to you isn't fixing it. Jesus said, ask. I'll send somebody to you that'll help you. Seek? Oh, yeah, look, look around. Because he's saying, look around because you asked? Absolutely, everyone who asks, I'm going to answer. So look around. Isn't that what faith does? What if him, him saying this was saying, ask that this hurt in my heart be remedied, and then start looking because they're there. Are you with me? And then when they're there, knock. Do you mind if we become friends? I could help. And he says this, because of all that, do to them what you wish somebody would have done for you. I didn't get his permission to 
but I, th I think he's okay with this. Jeff has shared with us he'd never had a dad. I mean, he had a dad, but he was never there. Am I okay to share for a moment? Jeff would have every right to wallow in the pain of that. I cannot imagine having a dad who, who just didn't even want to be around me. And I have no doubt that that pain has, has hurt him. I have no doubt that that pain has, has, has caused him many, many a tear. I, I know that. I know that that pain has wounded his heart. And I, I know that I, I'm going to have to guess that Jeff has more than a few times asked God to fix this pain in my heart for not having a dad who would just look me in the eye and call me son. God was not able to take Jeff back and historically change that. But, but now Jeff's involved with a ministry who, they call him Daddy J. Isn't it funny that a guy who never had a dad is called Daddy J? I know that I know that 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 doesn't fix, but I tell you what, it probably if I were to ask him, it, he would tell you it made, it's made a whole lot better. So, the answer to Jeff's prayer was not that God goes back and historically changes what happened. The answer to God's prayer was to bring people into his life who need a spiritual dad. Jesus said, ask and I'll always do that. Look around you. I've already brought them to you. Knock. Take a chance. Is anybody getting this? I'll close with this, my personal story. You know, I spent some time in my life homeless. I'm not proud of it. It's just what it was. one night at church a fella came in he was a homeless guy and he told the pastor he was homeless before service started he with his homeless look and his homeless smell he made his way up to the piano on the platform and he sat down and it was like heaven music he played. It didn't make any sense to see this very disheveled, smelly guy playing the piano in such a peace in that moment as he played. I know somebody in the congregation got aggravated and said he shouldn't be up there in that holy place. The pastor received an offering for him. I think they gave him 30-some dollars. And uh, I remember him standing by the door 
their building was much like ours and he was standing by the door after service and he tears in his eyes he was very thankful for the 30 some dollars that he received and the pastor said you know now, now you can get a good place this is winter time it's cold he said now you can get you can you can get yourself a room somewhere and I overheard the conversation and listen to me I was meant to overhear the conversation and he said but is there a possibility that I could just go home with somebody and not have to spend my whole offering on one night because that'll get me six or seven days worth of food or one night is there maybe somebody in the church I could go home with and I, I wouldn't have to spend all my money on the hotel room pastor said there's no there's nobody gonna I'm just a young Christian at this time. I think I've been saved less than a year. But I thought, what, what, why? And so when he, you know, he, he pushed a little bit and he finally said to the pastor, do you mind if I ask some people as they're leaving? And the pastor said, no, no, I'm, no, if I think of somebody, I'll let you know. But no, I don't want you, I don't want you asking anybody. And so I, I stood and watched as the, 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 the small crowd dwindled away. And finally, I went up to him and I said, hey, hey buddy, you could, you, could, you could stay with me. He said, you got a place? I said, well, I'm going to be. I said, yeah, I got a place. You, it might look familiar. We got to pry the plywood off the door, off the window, and crawl in. I don't have any heat, and I don't have any electricity, and I don't have any water. But hey, we won't be alone. all right yeah we'll do that I said well let me grab somebody because I, I got to bum a ride because I don't have a car and I bummed a ride for the two of us I'm telling you the stories that happened you take do with it what you want got dropped off and as the car lights headed off into the distance he and I made our way to this dark cold house and I held the plywood as he opened the window and climbed in and then he held the plywood as I climbed in and I shut the window and locked it. I had an extra sleeping bag. I gave it to him. In the bedroom we were in, you know, this isn't a safe place, and so we, I locked the bedroom door. And we lay down, and we just talk. <laughs> he smelled bad, but I, I was glad to have somebody to talk to. And we talked about life, and we talked about the things of God, and more than once he told me he appreciated me sharing my home with him. Isn't that odd? I'm a pretty light sleeper. But I woke up early the next morning and the bedroll is rolled up and tied up. And there's a note once again thanking me for letting him stay the night with me. But the deadbolt on the bedroom door is still latched. And the window is still locked from the inside. He 
do that whatever you want. You know what? In just a few days, I wasn't homeless anymore. Maybe, just maybe, the answer to your prayer is bigger than what you've been looking for. Maybe God is not at all interested in just taking the pain away. Somebody asked me this question. Is it wrong to take these kind of drugs? Prescription medicine? I said, wrong is in sin? No. But you'd be better off finding out what hurts you than just covering up the pain. Maybe, just maybe, what God wants to do is not just take the pain away. Maybe what he wants to do is fix something in your heart. Because he planted good seed in your heart, but an enemy at night came in and planted a tear. And now... All you're aware of is the pain. But he knows the judgment that's in your heart. That's because of that pain. And if he takes the pain away, the judgment is still there. Is anybody getting this? Because you know what? The moment, the moment I plug this in, now it all works. If I just have need, a deep need of somebody to show me kindness, I'd rather than praying God would send somebody along that will show me kindness, maybe what I need to do is ask him to send somebody into my life and then I need to begin to look for them and knock you know what that means there's going to be a barrier between me and them are you getting this and I need to knock I need to get through that because doing it to them is going to help me you stand to your feet this morning That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.